0: Welcome to the Divorce Angel Podcast and thank you for joining us. Get ready to uncover the strategies everyone can implement for successful separation and divorce. This will save you valuable time, money and emotions while learning the secrets to your happy ever after. And now your host, my wife, Tanya Summerton. Hey there, and welcome back to the Divorce Angel podcast. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. It means so much to me. If you're new to the podcast, because from our downloads we can see that we've got a whole lot of new listeners, I really recommend that you go back and listen to some of the previous episodes that I've done. Uh, Especially look at the ones, say from 24 to 29, where I talk about my five step process. And that's where we take our clients from victim through to victor. So we go victim, overwhelm, acceptance, focus, and victor. Now, it's a step-by-step process and each of those different stages which we've investigated and we've watched, and it's certainly something that I lived and breathed as well. We're able to actually move people through and get them Um, As close to possible is getting their life back on track. And it's really important to make sure that you go through each of these stages because the stats, especially here in Australia, are pretty alarming. It's, you know, high 40s into 50 of first-time marriages that fail. 70% 70% of second time marriages and 90% of third time. Now, they were the last lot of stats that I looked at, which was about a year ago. So it may have changed now, but I suppose the point I'm trying to make is it's pretty high. And the issue that I see is. Today is that most people that leave their first marriage are not addressing what responsibility that they needed to take before they step into their second and third relationships. So for me, it's key that we address all of that garbage so that we can make sure that we don't take it into our next relationship because we don't want to be taken baggage next time around and we certainly do not want to go through a divorce more than once if we can help it. It's um, it's a pretty awful thing to be going through, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be there again. Been there once, don't want to learn from it, don't want to go through it again. So go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. I'm sure you'll get some really good um, content out of them that might help you through your separation and divorce. Anyway, in this episode, I wanted to continue the conversation around money so last week i did an episode called divorce money in money out because it's a key mistake that i see with a lot of people who are going through a divorce the next thing that aligns with that is where most of us and i was one of them i was there i you know what it's like we live above our means when we're in a relationship and when there's two of us, we've got someone to rely on. So if something happens to, say, one party, then we go, oh, it's going to be okay, there's someone else, everything will all be okay, there's family members that can help us out, You know, we can keep working, we can draw on our savings or on our super or something like that, which will keep everything rolling along. And the stress from the relationship and the financial strain, in most cases, is shared between both parties in the relationship. But when the relationship then comes to an end, people still want to live that life that they had before. And you simply can't do it. You know, you simply can't do it. And the truth of the matter is, in some cases, not all, but in some cases, that financial burden and stress that was put on, on each other to live a life that you really couldn't afford, has probably been and could be contributed to the downfall of the relationship because they say and research shows that money conversations or money pressures are in most cases a lot of the reason that many relationships break up. But the issue becomes is when someone has lived above their means – they want to continue living that life when they separate and they simply can't. And trying to get through that message to someone that has lived, let's call it, well, they're living in denial because they're just not accepting where they are today and where they were a little bit earlier is not in the same place. The truth is, they could never ever really afford to have been where they were before anyway. Like they were living so far above their means that it was just putting so much pressure on both parties and it contributed to the downfall of the relationship. So many people living beyond their means as couples have, have had issues managing their finances. Someone was telling me, because I have a lot of friends and colleagues that are financial advisors, and they were saying that, Some of the most ridiculous things that they see that people are earning such a lot of money and good on them, they work hard, but they spend such a lot of money and pretty much like the topic I was talking about last week with money in and money out. It's not about what we earn, it's about what we spend and if we're spending more than what we're bringing in, then we've got a real issue. So what I do with a lot of my clients when we do our strategy is we look at the current income that they've got and what their outgoings are and can they actually afford to stay where they are currently living? Are they living well and truly above their means? Should they be looking at getting a new job or or moving somewhere differently? Is the rent or the mortgage that they're paying in their current accommodation far too much and does that mean that they need to move? And that's a really hard thing for someone to deal with, especially if you weren't the instigator of the marriage breakdown and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this emotional turmoil of my relationship is over and now I also have to move from my home and take my children. This is when we really get into that victim mentality of you know, this isn't fair. How did I find myself here? Why did this happen to me? Uh, like I've been through that as well. I know what it's like, but it's certainly a place that we all seem to go to because it's where I suppose we have to we go there because it makes us feel okay at that stage and it and it makes us go, this isn't my fault. I shouldn't be here. It's not my responsibility once we move out of that that victim into the next steps of the five stages it's really where we pick our socks up and we can make a better life and it's funny how whether I use the word the universe or whatever it is that you believe in it's funny how sometimes these things slap us in the face just to make us well and truly aware of the path that we were going down really was not getting us to where we we needed to be. And sometimes the debt and the financial strain that we put on a relationship, we've moved so far down the track that it's too hard then to turn around and to go back. Like we're in so much financial stress that to sort of turn around and say, no, we're selling this, we're going to move out of here. People can't do it. And I look back now and I was one of them, like lived on an acre and a half, had a tennis court and a pool, the kids at the the fancy school, and two expensive cars in the driveway. To even contemplate that my standard of living, living needed to change because of my relationship breakdown was just another heartache to bear. But my story is that we, yeah we sold that house and I moved into a rental property. and at the time, and I'm not giving financial advice, everyone needs to do what is right for them. But when we sold that house and the little bit of money I got, My friends and family were saying, Right, well, you need to go and buy your own house now for you and the kids to live in. And I knew that that was a turning point. I sensed it deep inside of me that this is a turning point that I can go and do what everyone else seems to be doing, or I can do it differently. And I wanted to be doing it differently. And I made a choice of doing as much homework and due diligence on the richest people in the world, how they got rich, what they they were doing to get rich. And at that particular time, it it was around property. So I purchased three investment properties with that money. Now, I'm not saying that that might be what's right for you, but that was what I did. And that's what made me be able to deal with what I'd gone through. So It's important to make sure that just because you're giving up one drink, And that house or car or business or whatever it is that you're now having to get rid of because you're living above your means is going does not mean that it needs to be the end of a dream. You might be able to come up with something completely different that fulfills everything that you've ever wanted in life. And the thing that I learned was once I got rid of the stress from the big house and all of the, the other consequences that come with that. So the amenities, the keeping the pool clean, um, cleaning the tennis court, all those sorts of things. Once I were gone, my life got simpler. And that's the key here. If we can simplify our life, what happens is in our mind, we have the ability to think of other bigger possible dreams or wishes that might be able to come true because if we get to the crux of us as human beings we come into this life with nothing and we will leave with nothing is it worth the fight and the anguish and the heartache over an asset or over a life that we lived previously that we have to keep and maintain now and from my experience it's simply not there's so many other things that are more valuable in life than assets. Men in a lot of cases will fight over the super and women in a lot of cases will fight over the family home. I haven't got to the bottom of why, Like, I I, just ironic, but men will always want to fight to keep their super. So whether the men think of old age and I don't want to be alone and I need money to be able to survive and whether women just think of the memories and the emotional stuff that happened in the house and I brought home my children here not quite sure but there's a different a real difference between how men and women think about what their financial futures will look like so back to what we're talking about here what is actually a want and what is a need and once you realize the difference between the two Then you can start really putting steps in place to improve your life. But spending time, energy and emotions worrying about having to sell an asset or not being able to live the life you used to live can just deplete you of energy. And at the end of the day, the outcome, like I spoke about last week, will probably be the same whichever path you take. So if you are living above your means and you need to sell something, whether you struggle to hold on to it and keep it right now, and you've got to sell it in a year from now, or whether you bite the bullet and do it now, knowing that it's inevitable, isn't that the best thing to do? So a story about a client of mine, she was I would say she, she was difficult to deal with. In hindsight, I probably should have seen some of her behaviours and just to be honest, like her behaviours weren't the nicest to her ex-husband and we were working with her. Now, there was no doubt in in our minds. And when I did her budget and did her serviceability for loans and just looked at the upkeep of the house, she should not have kept the house. The house was in in a pretty up-and-coming area. It was worth quite a lot of money. But for her, I could see that it was just about the win. She didn't care really about where she lived. She had all these stories and excuses as to why she wanted to stay in the house. But ultimately, if you looked at it from the facts in front of us, the house was in a little bit of disarray. It needed some work. She was already when it looked at her budget, she was pretty much living above her means. But she was adamant that she had to keep the house. Now, if something goes wrong with that property, say the hot water service goes or the pool heater goes or the front fence falls over, whatever, she's got no rainy day money. She's got no way of fixing any of those assets. And she used her children as an excuse to say, no, I want my children to stay in their home. The funny thing was, is that because of the woman that she was becoming over the course of this divorce, the kids were trying to actually remove themselves a little bit from her because they could see that her behavior towards their father wasn't the best. So in the end, we were able to achieve what she wanted to achieve and she got the house that she wanted. But will she be happy? No she's not that sort of person she had to win the fight and she won the fight she got the house and that's what she wanted once she got the house was she happy no if something happens to that house it's now become an anchor around her neck it's such a burden And a few weeks ago, I drove past just to see what the property was looking like. And it's such a big asset. She does not have the time to maintain the garden or to look after the garden because she's got to get extra hours at work just to pay back the mortgage. Was it worth it? She's the only one that can answer that. Is that where I would want to be? No way. There's certainly no way that I would want to do that. Everyone gets the, the chance to think about what their future looks like and don't live in this denial that you have to stay where you've always stayed, that you have to have what you've always had, that now that your identity has changed because you no longer have those assets that you had before, you are not the same person. Who's to say that things for you don't improve? Money is While money might be important, money is not everything. Having a happy, fulfilled life will get you more value, more opportunity than having this debt and this big asset and house or whatever the case may be, if that's what you're fighting over. Opportunity will come to you when you are not dealing in this place of negative, overwrought energy of opportunity. Well, I've got to fight to keep this property or this asset. It just doesn't work like that. So set up a budget, go back and review what you can and can't afford. Ask yourself truly is this? asset that I really want over everything else? Is it worth the fight? What are the opportunities? And go back to last week's podcast and listen to Woman 2, how she just, she knew that at some stage she would have to sell the house and she made the decision right there and then. And there's such a difference in that sort of thinking. That thinking comes from a place of power because you are choosing your destiny, not being, not having it forced upon you. And Having a real clear picture of what you want now that your relationship is finished, it can be the start of an amazing future for you. If there's anything I can do to help you on this subject, please let us know. Send us a message or an email. We'd love to or I'd love to answer it. I get emails from clients now or listeners and I'd love to be able to help you if I possibly could. That's it for this week. I hope it's been of some assistance, but please Don't live in denial and do not live above your means. It's not worth it. There's such an amazing life out there for you, but you've got to do it from where you truly can afford to start and you can build whatever you want to build. All right, I'll talk to you next week, but have the most amazing week and I'm sending all of my love and wishes. Bye for now.